Welcome back to the dojo, or welcome to Resolving Conflict Part 2. If you came in here to the dojo to learn how to fight, then we're actually here to tell you to lay your weapons down because we're here to learn one of life's most important skills, and that is how to resolve conflict. Yeah, last week we looked at four exercises in knowing how to resolve conflict, and today we're going to pick up Part 2 and deal with four more exercises. So as a way of review, let me go back over the four exercises we looked at last week, and I'll give you a, uh, a teaser, or I'll give you uh, the four uh, exercises that we're going to be looking at today. And by the way, uh, we're intending for this to be life-changing. And this is also a plug, as we gave a plug last week, that it's not just these principles or these exercises that will change you or change your marriage. But the major plug we can give here is to uh, give your life to Christ. If you're already a Christian, then we say continue to give your life to Christ. Look to Christ who, to uh, give you wisdom, to be your leader, and to help you deal with conflict in your marriage. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to give your life to Christ. There's no other source like Christ where you're going to find love and forgiveness and true motive to really uh, resolve conflict in your marriage. The second plug we're giving here is for marriage counseling. Right, a, a trained professional, a trained marriage and family counselor can really help you deal with some of those deep roots of pain or habits and uh, that have come from your, uh, perhaps your family of origin that you are now bringing right into marriage. Don't tune out. Uh, we invite you to stay uh, listening here with us, even if you're not married, because we feel like conflict resolution is something that we can all relate to. And it's one of those life skills that we need. We need to know how to resolve conflict with a coworker. We need to know how to resolve conflict with a family member, uh, with a friend, with a parent, with a child. And so this is a topic that we can all benefit from. So let's review those four exercises from last week, and then we'll jump into the four exercises for this week in resolving conflict. So review from last week, we said, fight the problem, not the person. Number two, we said, establish fighting rules. Number three, we said, pause and pray. And number four, we said, own your part 100%. Now, if you didn't listen to that or see us here on YouTube, I invite you to go back and watch that or go back and listen to that. Or if you feel like you really couldn't use anything that we talked about, I invite you to tune in next week or the following week or a year from now and come back to that sermon because uh, if you haven't gone through conflict yet, how else can I say it? It's most likely coming, and so you need this life skill. Well, let's look at today these last four. Number five, and we're going to call them number five, six, seven, and eight, since this is a two-part series. Number five is listen to their feelings. Number six is speak the truth in love. Number seven is forgive their faults. And number eight is oneness. 
Let's jump right in. Number five, listen to their feelings. That's why in marriage you can't say, you shouldn't feel that way. Why is this making you feel this way? Oh, come on already. Get over this. That wouldn't make me feel that way. Why are you crying about that? That would never make me cry. I'm exaggerating some of this, but sometimes when we're in an argument, the last thing that we're doing is listening to their feelings. It's dripping with pride, by the way. Some of those, some of those caricatures and exaggerative language that I just gave is just dripping with pride. See, the way that a person feels and sees things in life is the very gift of God to you in your life. Let me try to explain that a different way. The way that someone's feeling something and experiencing something is not the way that you are experiencing it and feeling it. Yet, that difference that each of you have is God's gift to you. It may be causing pain, and that's probably why it's leading to conflict, but we need to be listening, listening to their feelings. You can't judge someone for the way that they're experiencing you. They're just simply experiencing you. And the way that you're expressing your feelings to them, or the way that they're experiencing you, they may be having an allergic reaction to you. Typically, uh, when we're in an argument, we're not arguing over information. We're arguing because of feelings. We have arguments over feelings. Somebody got their feelings hurt. That's why we have an argument. That's why there's a fight. In marriage or in the marketplace, when people feel like they're not listened to, or they feel robbed of their dignity, that's when they get mad. You you really want to tick someone off? You really want to get under somebody's skin? Don't listen to them. If you really want to express love towards them or honor them and respect them, listen to their feelings. If you really want to connect with them, start with their needs. Start with their interests. Being a good friend. Being a good spouse. Being a good pastor. Being a good teacher. Being a good citizen means to listen to their feelings. Listen to their hurt. Listen to the emotion. Uh, and, and by the way, this is a learning process. We, we need to learn to listen to the emotion behind the words, underneath the words, the tones that are being expressed in that argument or in that moment of conflict. Listen. Listen to that emotion. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. See, here's another way of saying it. If you get angry quickly, it means that you're not listening. Use your ears to love them. Use your eyes to love them. See their body language when you're listening to this person. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, seek to understand 
before seeking to be understood. Yet we're too busy. We're too busy trying to get the other person to try to understand us. Me first, me first, me first. Listen to my feelings. And so our first exercise here is listen to their feelings. Place them first. Now this is the, this is the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way is to see people and to truly listen to their feelings, to see their story, to begin to understand their background, to begin to understand their personality, their weaknesses, their limits, their strengths, and be considerate of their feelings and their fears and watch how conflict will go down. The second, uh, I'm sorry, uh, exercise number six here is to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. See, it's how you say what you say that matters. There's a difference in your tone when you're attacking someone in an argument. There's a difference in your tone, however, when you're pointing out something to your spouse truthfully, but in love. It's being done because of love. You're not trying to attack them. You're not judging them. You're not trying to control them. And by the way, they know it already. They feel it already. Stop it already. Speak the truth in love. Now someone at this point says, well, I'm just that way. I'm just that way. It's my personality. I just tell it like it is. I just share the truth. I don't know if I'm loving them or not, but I just got to tell them like it is. That's just my personality. Well, actually, you're being rude. You may think that you're standing up for what's truth, but you might just be a, a, a plain old bully. You might be a bully, and you might just be being rude. You might just be trying to get it off your chest. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, Speak the truth in love. That's because how you say it is what's most important. That's what matters. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus says, If your brother or your sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Jesus is saying that if your wife, if your, if your husband, if your spouse, spouse sins against you, Go and point it out to them. You should go with love. You should go with gentleness. It should just be the two of you. You don't have to do it on aisle three of the grocery store. You need to have a compost pile. That is a place that we discussed last week, a place where you do this. But you need to be speaking the truth in love. If it's not spoken in love, by the way, People are only going to remember the emotion that they felt, not the truth that you tried to share. That's right. If you spoke something to them and you weren't doing it lovingly, they're not even going to remember that the truth that you were trying to share with them, they're going to simply remember this raunchy feeling that they had. And that's how it's going to get filed away in their emotional filing cabinet. Yet... If you share the truth in love, they're going to receive that truth. They're going to receive it. And you're, going to see, you're going to see change happen. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, yet wise words heal. See, truth shared in love, it's going to heal your spouse. Some people are speaking truth, but they have anger management issues. Again, they're, they're rationalizing. They're saying, oh, this is just my personality. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And yet there's anger management issues going on. The Jesus way, the Jesus way in this exercise is to speak the truth in love. You don't have the right to just be who you are if it's hurting your spouse. You don't have the right to just say it like you want to say it if it's hurting your spouse. Speak the truth in love. We need truth and grace. Tell the straight truth to your spouse about what they've done in a spirit of grace and love and then completely and joyously forgive them. And that leads us to exercise number seven. Forgive their faults. Colossians chapter three, verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Where's the power to forgive? I'm feeling weak. I don't know if I can forgive this person. They've hurt me so badly. For a Christian, for a Christian, the power, the resource to forgive, especially when it hurts, especially when it doesn't seem to be a guarantee that they're not gonna go and do the same thing again, the resource that you have is Christ. The overwhelming and powerful, abundant resource that you have is that Christ has forgiven you. Remember that, this verse says. And therefore, go and forgive others. We learn to forgive by remembering the gospel. The gospel of good news here in Christianity. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, While we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of God's Son, Jesus. God has restored our relationship with Him because of our sin. Our sin demanded a restoration, a reconciling, and God has paid for it through the death of Christ, our Savior. Therefore, He's forgiven us. And so in that conflict, in this resolution process with your spouse, forgive them. Forgive their faults. Be careful. Be careful in your marriage, being so angry, being in that fight and making a vow to yourself. And a vow that says something to yourself like, I'm never, ever going to forgive this person. Oh, they've hurt me so badly this time. I'm never, ever. I'll smile. I'll act like everything's okay. I'll live with them. We'll coexist together, but I am never, ever going to forgive them. Don't, don't ever do that. The vow that we've taken in marriage is a vow of forgiveness. I'm promising to forgive this person by being reminded of how God has forgiven me. Notice how forgiving their faults is connected to worship. There's a really tight connection here with our worship. 
Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, if you stand praying and you know you've got something against someone, leave your worship and go over there and forgive them first. Go do that first. That's actually more important. That's actually worshiping God when you do that. So forgive them. Uh, We need to say the opposite of forgiveness is revenge. Revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take refuge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Now you can say, you're forgiven. Maybe you say that to your spouse. You're forgiven, but you're trying to make them pay for it. In, in verbal and in nonverbal actions. You're trying actually to make them pay you back in some way. Now that's called revenge. You can say the words, but you really haven't forgiven them. You can say, you're forgiven, but you may need some more time to grieve what's happened. Yes, let your spouse know how they've hurt you. And yes, truly forgive them. But you may still need time to reprocess it and to regrieve it. And that's okay. Reprocessing a grievance and reprocessing forgiveness is different than revenge. Revenge is holding forgiveness back from them. It's making them work for it, which has nothing to do with the gospel of Christ. Remember, the gospel of Christ is we've been forgiven. That God has restored this relationship with us through the atoning sacrifice of Christ our Savior to reunite us with God, and so we're forgiven. So if you've genuinely forgiven them, don't bring it back up. Don't bring this issue back up. Remember, it's already gone to the compost pile. Remember the compost pile that we talked about last week. The conflict resolution, there's a, a part in which conflict and conflict resolution is like a compost pile. Therefore, when you've forgiven your spouse, don't bring it back up as a way to make them try to work it off. Or, hey, remember when I forgave you for that? Last exercise here that we're going to talk about today, number eight is oneness. Oneness. In the moment of conflict, you are not experiencing oneness. That is not what oneness is. Some marriages, by the way, have been growing apart for weeks, for months, and for years, maybe even decades. Now, that's not God's design for you. God's design for your marriage, God's will for your marriage, is oneness. God intends to move you towards oneness. A healthy marriage is always growing towards oneness. Embracing that you two have incredible differences, yet the two of you have been brought together and that the two of you are stronger than one of you. That's God's design for you. Here the image is fighting for your marriage. Fighting for your marriage, standing back to back and fighting against it. 
Fighting against the things that are coming against your marriage. Not fighting one another. That we can walk hand in hand together in oneness, even though we don't see eye to eye at times. But we can walk there together, hand in hand. Together in oneness. See, conflict resolution is reconciliation. To reconcile means to restore a relationship. And if you focus there, if you focus on restoring the relationship, the issue that you're fighting about is going to come very insignificant. It really is. Most of the issues that we fight about are very, very insignificant. In fact, the issue that you're fighting about will, will most of the time lose its importance to you if you're focusing on restoring the relationship. Oneness is that we're bridge builders together in this marriage. We're building a bridge together. We are bridge builders, not wall builders. We're to be tearing down walls in this marriage, in this relationship. We're to be building a bridge together. Let's close with this powerful, powerful verse here of the gospel of oneness in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21 that reads, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, what great news for us here in the gospel. And in conclusion, the pain of conflict, the pain of it all in marriage is the deepest, the deepest that one may experience. This, this type of conflict. I mean, the very person that, that vowed that they're going to love you has just now hurt you. And oh, it hurts so badly, doesn't it? The pain of this conflict, yet there's good news. The good news of the gospel is that that pain can go somewhere. Yeah, you don't have to make your spouse pay for the pain. You don't have to try to pay them back. You don't have to give them revenge. You don't have to keep points, keep a score, and actually fight against each other. There's good news in the gospel of Christ is that that pain can go somewhere. There's a place for it to go on the cross of Christ. There's good news of the gospel that there's more than enough grace that can be applied to the deepest and darkest moment of pain in your conflict. Whatever conflict perhaps and fight that you're going through right now that the gospel can be applied to that very pain, that very conflict and bring healing and bring change into that place and into those habits 
and set up new patterns for growth and change in your marriage. Then the aftermath of the conflict is growth, is change, is love, and even deeper trust for one another. Let's pray together right now. Father God, we need you to heal relationships that are hurting. We need you to help us listen to their feelings. Help us speak the truth in love. And we need you to help us forgive their faults because we know that we need to be forgiven of our faults. Help us experience this oneness that you desire in these relationships. Praying in your name, Jesus. Amen.